Are you pregnant or a new parent looking to ensure a better postpartum experience? Or are you a birth worker looking to improve your postpartum care skills? Check out Thriving After Birth, an online self-paced course by me, midwife and educator Tanya Tringali. It's 10 and a half hours of video content featuring experts in lactation, mental health, pelvic floor health, pediatric sleep issues. You also get worksheets and a workbook, as well as options to have a one-on-one session with me. Sign up at motherwitmaternity.com slash thriving, and let's improve postpartum care together. Episode number seven of the Motherwit Podcast. Oh, and a gentle reminder that nothing we discuss on this show should ever be considered medical advice. Please speak to your local provider about anything that comes up in this show that resonates with you and your needs and your health care. Today, my guest is Beth Iser, a former client, actually one who only recently ended the program. She did the most common thing people do when they sign up. She started around 36 weeks and ended around 12 weeks postpartum. I wanted to bring Beth on the show today because there are a couple of things about her case that made her unique to me and that I thought listeners would appreciate hearing about. And for some, it might feel refreshing to hear someone so clear in their convictions about a few things. Okay, let me just start by saying that Beth went on a girls weekend at six weeks postpartum. She went ziplining and had drinks with the girls, but she also brought her pump and her alcohol test strip so she would know if she needed to dump. Soon thereafter, her husband had a getaway too, and after that, I think they may have had one together with or without the baby. I don't know, but we'll let Beth catch us up on all of that. The other thing about Beth is that she's a business owner. She's the co-founder and social media marketing director at Spruce Strategies, which is a small woman-owned digital and social marketing firm based out of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, it specializes in helping hospitality and tourism businesses navigate and stand out in a digital world and stop the scroll. Anyway, from the very beginning, we knew that much of the work we would do together would be about how she could have this baby, love the baby, love her husband, love her work, and still have time for herself. So on that note, she was on the fence about breastfeeding. She ended up being a very successful exclusive pumper who supplemented with some formula, and she was just incredible at honoring herself in the process. Nothing about it was selfish. Her baby was always front and center, but really I've never seen someone right out of the gate know themselves so well and execute just as well. Most of us lose ourselves at least a little and for a little while in the tornado that is new parenthood and postpartum. So today I will ask Beth, who now has a small amount of space from these early days to tell us a bit about how she came to understand herself as she did and how she navigated all of this in the early days. I'm so excited to hear her reflect on her experience thus far. Beth, welcome, and thanks for joining me. So, you hey. hi. I was waiting <laughs> for you to say hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the right moment. <laughs> I'm trying to decide who he looks like these days. I think he's still got a lot of me in him. The big eyes. Oh yeah, the eyes are you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> How old is he now? He is six and a half months. 
Because he turned on the 18th. So really almost seven months, but. Crazy, crazy, time flies. All right. So Beth, I, I literally went through all your notes, just trying to like remind myself how things unfolded with you. And one thing that I had completely forgotten was that you found me um, from listening to the mommy labor nurse episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I always over prepare and everything I do. I don't know if prepare is the right word. I just fully commit to anything that I do is what um, all my friends tell me. And so during pregnancy, I listen to probably every single pregnancy related podcast out there, including mommy labor nurse. Um, and towards the end, when I was started getting really concerned about you know, postpartum anxiety and depression and like handling that. And I think it was an episode where you talked about like dealing with postpartum, navigating like postpartum emotions. And so that's how I originally came to find you. Yeah. Well, you know, what we were talking about on that episode was that while Liesl was working with me, it didn't really manifest. And that is why she worked with me because she had had a bad go the first time around. And so right. she wanted support the second time around and then she did really great, but it turned out and I didn't know this until I literally sat down to hop on her show and it kind of happened really organically that episode. She started talking to me about, you know, how it kind of reared its head right as she was ending the program. And so we ended up doing this whole episode about mental health that wasn't at all the intention. Like we didn't go into that knowing that that's what we were going to do. Um, and from that, so many people have come to me because of that episode. But the reason it's relevant to talking to you today is because, you know, in full disclosure, I'll tell our listeners that I was messaging you in advance, just kind of preparing for what I wanted to talk to you about. And I actually remember writing to you that I wanted to talk a little bit about your mental health, but I made a comment that it didn't seem to rear its head while we were working together. So I wanted to know what's been going on. Um, and then I read your intake and all of that stuff again. And I remembered that, you know, you really did have a legitimate mental health history. And at the time that you started the program, you actually commented on having ongoing anxiety. You stayed on medication through the pregnancy. And I was like, oh my gosh, here I just like totally undermined your mental health history um, in my message to you. But I guess just to reframe that, Mm -hmm. I guess I just want to point out that I think you did really well during those few months. How have you been? I'm, I've, I've definitely been better because, you know, a lot of kind of what I was feeling in those really early weeks and I felt like I was really struggling, I think was just the crazy hormonal influx that you're, you really like, I mean, you know, to expect it because you're told to expect it, especially in preparing with you, but you can't really um, say how it's going to manifest or how you're going to feel until it happens. So I'd say I definitely had the, you know, quote unquote, baby blues in the beginning. So just interjecting here to make sure everybody knows what terms mean. Baby blues is a hormonally mediated feeling of what most people will describe as sadness. It tends to be pretty weepy that happens in the first few days to weeks. I most commonly see this happen between days four and seven, and in some people it may persist longer. It can happen though any in any of those times between days to weeks, but again, that's my personal experience as a midwife and working with people. It is not an indicator of things to come. Um, and then 
as you know, we've talked about, I've struggled with anxiety for most of my life. It's manifested itself in different ways, um, whether it's, you know, OCD or perfectionism or intrusive thoughts, what have you. Um, it's something I've always dealt with. Um, and so when kind of the intense emotions of the first couple of weeks died down, you know, it's something that I always live with anxiety. And so it's, it definitely is present in motherhood. Um, however, I'm very hyper aware now through work that I've done, you know, with you and with therapists um, of what it is and I can identify it. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of just an ongoing game of figuring out, you know, what I'm feeling, how much is, of it is related to my anxiety, how much of it, you know, might have merit and how much of it is just normal for a new mom um, with all the questions that come to mind or doubts that you might have for yourself. So I'm definitely feeling a lot better. Um, I'm enjoying being Jet's mom so much. Um, I've always like, you know, something we talked about, I've always wanted to be a mom. And so it definitely feels like a dream come true in a lot of ways, but then also having had this ideal in my mind of what it would be like for the entirety of my life, you know, there's also a lot of surprises that come with that. So it's challenging, fun, wonderful, unexpected, um, and always changing every week. So that's kind of how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, okay. So you just said, I have always wanted to be a mom and I'm loving being Jet's mom. And I want to contrast that up against, you know, I, the intro that I just gave for you, I think, you know, kind of shows the depth of this and how different it can be for individuals. Because while you can say that most people who say that find themselves, I don't know, trapped or stuck or fill in the blank with a whole bunch of different possible words where maybe it's the message that society and our families have given us for ever and ever about the way we're supposed to feel or the way we're supposed to act and behave. And you from the get-go have just always been so clear in the way you were gonna be a mom and in the way you were going to maintain the parts of you that aren't tied to being a mom. And like you implemented that shit right out of the gate and like you never hesitated and you never, you never felt bad or guilty. And I, I feel like that, that is why I wanted so many people to hear you talk about your experience because what I never got a chance to ask you because I needed time to reflect. And I think you probably did too. It'll be interesting to see what you say is I'm so curious to know how you came to that place. Did you surprise yourself? Did you always know you were going to be like that because you're like that in other aspects of life? Like Tell me more about how you did that. Because when you went zip lining in six weeks postpartum with your girlfriends, I was like, what is happening here? That was awesome. <laughs> that was definitely a postpartum highlight. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I like, you know, I'm, I'm such a planner in all aspects of my life. You know, you could say that I'm type A, but then something, you know, and that's kind of how I think of myself, but something that surprises me is a lot of my friends will also say, yeah, you know, you're, you're type A and you're really organized and driven, but then you're also very chill at moments. And I think like you will handle the waves and challenges of motherhood well, because you have, you know, these moments where you're like, oh, I don't care. And a very nonchalant free attitude about things. So I think I've had that dichotomy my entire life of like the two sides of me that are like both very committed, very organized, but then also 
laid back um, when it comes to, I don't want to say when it comes to stress situations, I wouldn't consider myself a laid back person, but I think I've always just been very confident in who I am um, and in my decisions. And I will do whatever it takes to, I think, achieve what I what I think is the ideal, you know, situation for me and my family. Um, And so that's something in my pregnancy that I really had this vision of what I, you know, wanted, what I thought I wanted at the time um, and how I was going to prepare to get there. Um, I wanted to be able to work part-time. I wanted to be able to work from home a little bit. I'm out of the house a little bit be able to try to work with him here with me um, and then also have time where we could just hang out the two of us together where I wasn't attached to the screen. And so that's something that I, I think I leaned on you a lot, especially in the beginning to kind of help me out with what that was going to look like and what the childcare situation is going to look like. And I think that it's, it's been a surprise in some aspects because I don't, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier to work with him present with me in the room. Um, I basically learned that I cannot get anything, you know, any must, must have, must do tasks accomplished when he is here. So I need to accomplish all of my important tasks that are must do's when I do have childcare. And then after that, when I'm with him, anything that I get done is just a bonus, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, it, it totally makes sense because one of the things I remember talking to you about a lot and being really proud of you because I felt like I felt like this came from you and not from me, even though it's something I do say to people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started talking about your like easing back into trying to get some work done, you used the word, um, I'm just experimenting with things right now. Like you said that exact sentence to me. And I remember applauding you vigorously because that is exactly how I want people to approach everything, whether it's their return to fitness or it's their return to work or their return to sex or whatever. It's with mm-hmm. this attitude of like, it's all new. It's like your life is brand new. You're starting from scratch and you cannot say I'm the same professional I was before and after my baby, just like your relationship is never the same ever again from before and after and same with your fitness, right? It's always evolving. And you can do that without me having to like nudge you. Whereas I nudge a lot of people to stay in this experimental mindset so that they don't feel so let down when the day doesn't go according to plan. Do you remember those early feelings? I do. I definitely do. Um, I think an attitude of experimenting has been what I entered motherhood with um, because, you know, deep down inside of me, I had a ton of expectations and a lot of excitement and pressure that, you know, was self-imposed because I've always felt like I was supposed to be a mom, right? This natural mother. So in my pregnancy, I kind of just took a step back and tried to not impose too many of those expectations on myself for postpartum, um, knowing, you know, the struggles that so many women deal with, especially those with mental health history and to just really go into everything, you know, work, breastfeeding, um, childcare, my relationship with my husband, just in this experimental mode, knowing that some days were going to be easier than others. Um, and then the navigation that I got with you was really key to figuring out all those changing emotions, um, changing life situations. And I think, you know, with work, I was really blessed to be able to have some flexibility being a business owner and, you know, figuring out exactly what my work situation was going to look like. 
Um, and so I, I got to, in those first few weeks, figure out back, back to work. I did not immediately go back to work postpartum, but come, you know, eight, 10 weeks postpartum, I got to talk with my business partner and kind of, you know, figure out what was going to work and experiment a little bit. And, you know, I didn't go back guns a blazing. I kind of eased back into work, taking on a couple of clients at a time. Um, and it was challenging. It absolutely was. And, you know, like I said, I figured out a lot of things you know, as far as getting work done with the baby that I didn't necessarily expect, you know, for it to be that hard. Um, but I, I, I'm really glad I had that attitude going into it uh, because it was easier not to be so hard on myself on the days where things weren't working. One of the things I've seen over and over and over again, and I experienced it myself as well, is that once we become a mother, we also become more efficient. Did you find that Absolutely. yourself? Absolutely. And I noticed that almost immediately. Um, and I was kind of shocked by it because certainly I'm a diligent worker and I can, you know, get a lot of tasks accomplished. I would never say that, you know, I'm someone who's a procrastinator, but I've never been able to get as much done in like a span of an hour long nap um, as I, you know, ever could do in an hour pregnant or, you know, previous. It, I mean, it was just unreal. Just the productivity that I have now when I do sit down and work and the speed I have, it's just, it's really blown me away. And I think it's just the, you know, they say your brain changes when you're a mother. And it, I really think it's true. Just, I'm really able to focus when I do have that time, knowing that the time is so limited and it's, it's kind of incredible. I mean, that was something I was not expecting, but I've totally noticed. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out whether this is a consequence of being super type A and super people who self-identify as being super type A or the people who are drawn to the work that I'm doing and working with me. So I can't tell whether what I'm seeing is just type <laughs> A outcome of, of motherhood or if right. like all mothers would say the same thing. So if you're a mother out there and you are like, I am so not type A, uh, I'm super curious if you yourself feel that you had a, what feels like a brain change that made you more efficient? Because I feel like I see it all the time, but I can't quite figure out if it's across the board or it's a certain personality type that, because look, let's say type mm -hmm. A and anxiety are sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Is that just a coincidence or? Yeah, like, I think that a lot of people and possibly myself, we manage our anxiety through being super functional people right? Mm -hmm. It's like a little bit of control. It's all these things. So who knows? I noticed a, a brain change just in the fact that I, I felt just super efficient in, in getting tasks done where, and e even just from pregnancy and pregnancy, I experienced almost the opposite of that, where I had, especially in the first trimester, you know, what I came to realize was anxiety, but I felt so overwhelmed by little tasks, whether it was household tasks, work tasks that, you know, I kind of froze and I, you know, chose not to do anything. And I would kind of, you know, shut down a little bit. Um, whereas the change that I had when I gave birth was I was able to just knock out everything on my to-do list in a shorter amount of time than even it was pre me getting pregnant. So it was definitely, you know, a year of a lot of personal changes, yeah. but it's also just interesting how, you know, the hormones affect you differently in pregnancy versus postpartum, um, how your brain changes throughout both of those processes. It's just really, um, it's been a year of needing to force myself to stay open to all the changes. Totally. 
Totally. Okay. I want to go back to one thing to drive a point home. And just because I'm still curious about a deeper answer. So for instance, your girls weekend that I keep going back to, but not mm -hmm. just that girls weekend, your husband has gone away with friends for the weekend. You guys have gotten away without the baby. Is that correct? We have. Yes. Um, and there are very, very, very few people who I care for, maybe none, you really might be the only one mm -hmm. who can say that, that at six months postpartum, that you have done all three of those things. So mm -hmm. what I'm curious about is since the biggest, most dramatic one was the six week postpartum visit or not visit, but you know, uh, did you plan that while you were still pregnant and you were just like hell or high water, I'm going on that? Or did it pop up and you were spontaneous about it? Because I don't remember hearing about it until like you were about to go and we talked about it because you needed like pumping advice. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, no, so twofold. So I think that, you know, personally, my dad is a Delta pilot. Travel has always been super important to me. Growing up, that was the lifestyle my family lived. You know, we would non-rev off to Paris for the weekend, if there is room during summer break. Um, and so that's something that's always been a big priority in my childhood life. And then in my adult life, uh, Bright and I, I have been traveling together, you know, last minute and plans for forever. And so in my pregnancy, something like I said, I'm such a planner that was super important to me was figuring out what it would look like for me to be able to get away for Bryant to be able to get away. And then for us to get away together, it was, it is for us, a very important part of our relationship is, you know, taking these trips together. And I didn't want that to change. Um, and I also really wanted to be able to travel with jet when he was born. So fast forward to probably two weeks postpartum, we did not have anything planned in pregnancy did that give me anxiety? And by anything, I mean, any trips planned when I was pregnant for postpartum, um, that in itself, you know, made me feel uncomfortable, right? Because I'm always, I'm always used to having a, we can get away in the, you know, on the calendar or a longer trip on the calendar. And Jet was born in June. So it was summer. Right. And so I was really feeling very kind of unnatural for me not to have anything planned. Obviously I was going through this big life change and I was about to have a little baby. And so that was, you know, the situation, but I got a message from one of my girlfriends here who had just heard her husband had gotten a house in Asheville, North Carolina. And she said, I know this is a far reach because you're going to be about six to eight weeks postpartum, but we're going to have a little girls weekend up in Asheville, which is a two and a half hour drive from us in Columbia. Um, and if you're looking for a mom's weekend away, I'd love for you to come. Don't feel any pressure. And, you know, immediately my gut reaction is like, yes, I want to go. <laughs> right. And so I was a, a new brand new mom at the time, two weeks, you know, still running on no sleep, figuring out breastfeeding. But I mentioned it to my mom, um, who was helping us out at the time in those early days. And, you know, she was like, yes, I think you should make it work. You know, that's something that would bring you a lot of happiness and, she and my in-laws have always been there um, to support us. And if we want to get away for a night or two days, the most I've ever been away from jet thus far is three days. Um, but I think a huge factor in being able to do a trip like that is having support from you know family. So I definitely do not discount that. But I talked to you about it. And I was like, okay, so how, I would I didn't even know how to pump, right? I hadn't even pumps before at this time. And I was like, so just theoretically, like this trip is going to be happening. Like how do, how would this work? Right. You know, like 
do I need to bring my cooler, bring dry ice? Like, you know, what is this going to look like? How's this going to go down? And like, I think, you know, we figured it out together and I felt more confident about it because I had you to bounce off of um, just the logistics of being able to be away from my baby and keeping up my supply and keeping my, you know, my precious milk that I pumped safe and everything. And this is still when we were figuring out what my breastfeeding journey looked like. Um, yeah. Well, and that's another thing you, you've had, I think a really interesting breastfeeding journey because a lot of people will come to me adamant that they really, really want to breastfeed. And that might be their number one reason for working with me. You came in and you were like, I mean, right on the fence. I don't know. Right. I don't know if it happens easy. I'm good. If it doesn't happen, I can live with that. And, you know, we kind of had a slow roll on that, but then you kind of enjoyed breastfeeding more, I think, than you thought you would. And it came easier Mm -hmm. for you. Is that accurate? So I think, so like you just said, I really was team Switzerland in my pregnancy about breastfeeding. I'm parts of it. Like to me felt like, wow, that seems like a lot. I mean, that just, I mean, and it is a lot, like it's, you know, every in the beginning, two to three hours, a human attached to your body, you know, it, I imagine becoming very touched out at times or overwhelmed. Um, but you know, at the, at the same time, it wasn't something that I was totally like opposed to or felt uncomfortable with. And I wanted to try it. I wanted to give it a good go. Um, so (laughs) postpartum, I think at first it was definitely a struggle, um, in ways that I couldn't have imagined prior to having gone through it. But I mean, from the early days on when your, your neck and your posture and your back are so affected from hunching over, um, for hours at a time, I even, I remember texting you just, you know, what are some stretches that I can do to relieve this neck and shoulder pain that I'm having? Um, Hey there, interjecting again about this neck, shoulder, upper back stuff that is so common in the postpartum period. If you don't know, I have a YouTube channel. Check it out and subscribe. The link is in the show notes. I've actually linked in a video that has a lot of the exercises that I recommend for postpartum mamas, especially who are breastfeeding and feeling all hunched over and still trying to work out the kinks on the posture. Enjoy. You know, and so that was immediately a challenge, but then also just the... I, you know, I think I'm someone who does like to be flexible with my schedule and have, you know, I'm very self-autonomous. I like to be able to get out of the house and do things. I'm not a homebody whatsoever. And so as the weeks went on, just having kind of to be tied to the house at times, you know, was a challenge for me, I think, and not, not being able to leave without, okay, we have to go to the car and nurse or, you know, I, I was still figuring out nursing in public. So just, just the mental commitment. I mean, they say breastfeeding is worth like, you know, something like a full-time job and a half over the course of a year. Like I've seen all those statistics on Instagram and I totally would agree with that. I'm the, really the first few months of motherhood are so consumed with feeding because it's that three hour cycle of eat and then wake for, you know, maybe 20 minutes in the beginning and the baby sleeps. And so it just feels like all you're doing is feeding this child. And so there is a huge difference between it only being you able to do that if you're a breastfeeding mother, or if you're pumping or using formula, someone else, another caretaker, the father, or, you know, a friend or a family member being able to help you out with that. And so in the beginning, I think I really did appreciate being able to pump more than breastfeed because I was someone who could not 
survive on little sleep, which we figured out very quickly. Um, I, I already knew that about myself, but it was definitely confirmed postpartum that I could not survive on even a four hour stretch. I was, I'm more of a seven, eight hour stretch kind of girl. I mean, literally just to be mentally sane. But so that really saved me being able to pump and have my partner and my, or my mom when they were able to give a bottle. Um, and so I think it's just kind of incredible though. Now I'm six and a half, seven months postpartum and I'm still breastfeeding <laughs> because I don't think if you would have asked me a month or even two months in that I would, you know, I would have said, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll definitely be done. I think even before six months, um, this is just so much, such a big commitment. I can't imagine doing this and working, but here we are almost seven months in and I'm, you know, I'm still keeping it up. And well, that was absolutely the impression I got from you. Like I mean, I might, I, I might hide my opinions and biases decently, but because I've worked with a lot of people over a long career, I see patterns. And so sometimes when a thought pops into my head, it's not because I mean to judge someone necessarily, but it's because, oh, I know what happens when someone says this, right? So when someone says, I don't know, at the beginning when they're still pregnant, that person statistically in my experience usually mm -hmm. doesn't land where you have landed. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, it's all about my ex experimental attitude to this whole thing, right? Like yeah. I, and my feelings changed. So it felt like more of a, a job, a task in the beginning. Um, and I think as things got easier, I would say I noticed a shift around four months was the first time where I could really sit back and being like, okay, I do enjoy this. Like I enjoy the connection with my baby. It doesn't feel so life or death or, you know, like a task we have to get done anymore. Like I, I can do this and get enjoyment out of it. And so that was kind of where things shifted for me, where I was like, okay, I just would like to see how long we can go at this pace where I'm still enjoying myself. He's still enjoying himself and it's still, you know, working for us. And that's where we're at right now. So I, I know there's a lot of moms, even moms who are my peers who go in and say, I have a goal for myself where I want to be breastfeeding until I'm, you know, I'm six months postpartum or one year postpartum. I've always kind of been like, I want to be breastfeeding as long as it's working for both me and my baby and we're both happy with it. And so that's kind of what I've been doing. I love your mindset so much. I mean, it has worked so well for you. And I think there are pieces of it that some people who are trying to figure out how to embody that um, mm -hmm. might actually be able to grasp onto from listening to you, which again is really why I wanted to talk to you about this today. So two more questions about breastfeeding. One is mm -hmm. you, you briefly mentioned like feeling stuck to the house and learning how to breastfeed in public. Do you breastfeed in public now? And how are you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I definitely do. I've never like, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say I'm the most like modest person, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, whatever. So I, I think just in the beginning, the stress of like, oh, the baby's crying and we're out of the house. And, you know, do I breastfeed? Do we go back to the car? I'm not, I'm still figuring out how the latch is going. That was all very overwhelming. As soon as I felt confident in the physical logistics of breastfeeding, I absolutely will breastfeed outside of the house, um, wherever. And, you know, it's, it's not something that makes me feel uncomfortable. I know it can make other feel, people feel uncomfortable, not moms, but other people around you. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that is changing in 2022, you know, yeah. from where we are today, because I absolutely um, think that it, you know, it's, it's essential to life and moms don't need to be trapped to the house. 
So I'm, I'm always encouraging of myself and other moms to go ahead and breastfeed in public. <laughs> the Instagram meme that I feel I've seen from time to time that always gives me a giggle is when you throw a blanket over the person's head that's uncomfortable instead of yours and your baby's. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, we so- couldn't do that because in Columbia, our, you know, June when Jet was born, average is about 95 degrees. So there, there were no blankets. We were just <laughs> <laughs> oh, and my other question is since Jet's almost seven months now, I'm assuming he's eating solid food. Yes. How has, that, how has that changed the frequency with which you're breastfeeding and how you feel about it? Like, are you starting to feel the glimmers of like, oh no, this might be ending and that's sad. Or are you like, okay, I can see this wrapping up in the right time. Like, how's all that going? Um, it's, so it's, you know, it just changes so quickly. So we did start solids around six months and he has a huge appetite for anything that we give him. And it's really cute. I mean, he says, mm, mm, when he's enjoying something, um, his first food was a sweet potato puree. And then I think his favorite food is this oats and quinoa ground cereal that we mix with formula or breast milk. And, you know, Brian, my husband calls it his porridge. And so we have porridge time every evening. Um, and <laughs> that really fills him up which I love. And so we cut down when we started doing the solids to him bottle or breastfeeding, I guess about four or five times a day, we're on a seven, 11, three, seven, and then usually a dream feed schedule. Um, and so what I've noticed is he's not taking as many ounces from the bottle or breastfeeding for me as long with us adding in the solid foods in the morning and the evening. Um, and so it's actually made breastfeeding even a little easier and a little less, um, I guess, stressful because he's not totally, I mean, really kind of before we started solids, he was just so hungry all the time. So we could barely even go three hours between feedings because he was so hungry. And now that he's getting, you know, fill from some, from some solid foods, he can go a solid four hours between feedings and it's, he's not getting fussy or, you know, crying in public or needing to cluster feed in the evenings. So it's taken even more of the pressure off of it. Yeah. So that's been a huge positive for us. So it's almost like, okay, so we could continue this for another month or so, or, you know, three months. I don't know. Like, we'll just see how it goes. You're just still experimenting. I love it. Still experimenting. Always. I love it. Um, okay. So for our listeners, I just want to make sure that a term you used is known to people because, um, you know, look, when I had a baby 21 plus years ago, this term, as far as I know, wasn't used. If it was, I was oblivious to it. And that is dream feed. Um, and so for our pregnant people, many pregnant people have not heard that word yet. Um, I find that during pregnancy, most people have intentions of planning for postpartum and breastfeeding, but they don't get off the ground very well because well, it's human nature that all you can think about is how you're going to get this human out of your body. Right. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, so there are listeners who might not know that, that word. So dream feed is when you feed a sleeping baby. So can you tell us a little bit about how you figured out dream feeding and how that ended up working for you? I've never had a seven to seven sleeper ever. Um, he is someone who always wakes up in the night. Um, I think we've, we've realized as time has gone on, it's not really for hunger. It's more for comfort. However, um, I am a more of a night owl myself. And that's something that we talked about during my pregnancy or I'm more of the night owl. Brian is more of the morning person. So it worked out where before I would go to sleep later, you know, around 11 or midnight, you know, I am still up. I'm way more functioning 
than I am at seven in the morning. So that would be my time where I would get that one last feeding in before I would get my stretch of sleep. So it did make sense for us in that sense where it was really easy for me to be able to do on my own. Um, and something that I think was scary in the beginning, in the very beginning, was taking that feed all by myself. Because if you remember, um, I, I had a lot of trepidation or anxiety, especially at, at, at night when I was getting more tired and just being able to fully function, you know, do everything with this newborn on my own was a big deal. So it was like the first thing I feel like I really accomplished solo in motherhood was the whole process of, you know, jet waking up, doing a full feeding on my own in the nursery, doing the diaper change and then getting him back settled down and in bed while Bryant was asleep felt like a big accomplishment for me. Um, and then it turned into our routine, our nighttime routine. I would, you know, when Bryant was asleep, I would wake Jed up around 11, get him one last full feeding in so he could hopefully sleep his longer stretch after I fell asleep. That's the goal with the dream feed for a lot of people is, you know, you want to get your stretch of sleep that's longer at the same time that the baby does. <laughs> so that's always our goal with the dream feed. And then it kind of has morphed into just this bonding time where the house is quiet and we're in the nursery with the lamp on and snuggling and doing our last feed. And it's really special. And so I think when we do stop breastfeeding, that will be the feed that I always miss most is the dream feed at night. <laughs> well, the good news is as the feedings start to space out and become fewer, you know, there's that dwindle down process. And I would guess you'll have to tell me later on if I'm right about this or not, that that will be the feed that persists because yeah. it's special to both of you. Yeah, um, yeah. So you'll really you'll nice. get that for the longest, I think. <laughs> Aw, that was so cute. Um, okay, so you've mentioned Brian a couple times and I wanna change gears a little bit and talk about a little background of where your relationship maybe started changing once you settled in a little bit to parenthood, something I've seen over and over and over again with couples. And that I'm always ready to, you know, kind of support people through is I think for the first, you know, two months, more or less, I'm making some very sweeping generalizations here. Um, couples are almost enamored with each other via or through their love for their new baby. And then like the routine kicks in and the realities of the boring parts of life come back. And then we have to figure out how to find each other again. And I see a lot of minor to major turmoil happen, sometimes around eight, sometimes around 12. Um, and you were always very open and talked to me and Bryant would sometimes be present and we would talk together about strategies for getting you guys into a better space for communication and all of that. Um, I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can just tell us a little bit about with some hindsight, what that evolution looked like and maybe where you guys are now as a couple. Yeah, definitely. So I think that my pregnancy was a unique situation in the fact that it was during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> so it was me and Bryant stuck inside together a lot of the times. Um, and it was a really sweet and tender time in our relationship. I think for both of us, because we're both just so excited um, and we just spent a lot of time together binge watching our favorite shows, you know, just inside together. And it was, it was, you know, like I said, a time where we're looking forward to what, you know, what's supposed to be one of the most exciting times of our lives. And so I will always appreciate those last few months because I'm sure 
Uh, it's going to be totally different, you know, when we have number two, because we're actually going to have a toddler, or, you know, older child running around. So it's not going to be the quiet, you know, cuddly pregnancy time that we had. <laughs> but when Jet arrived, you know, it, it's like figuring out a, a brand new job and your coworkers in this job and the job is keeping another human alive. It's, it's, you know, a total slap in the face, I think for most. And if you say you're ready for it, you know, you can only be ready to a certain extent until you go through it. So it's, it was us trying to figure out how to keep, you know, jet happy and healthy, but then also how to keep our relationship happy and healthy when, you know, this, all this time that we previously had to work on our relationship or just spend together and relax and recharge, it was taken away from you. And the, in the beginning, the thing that I think I missed the most was just at the end of the day, sitting on the couch together and watching something on HBO and disconnecting and talking about each other's days, uh, because it, it was like, okay, well, who's going to get, you know, some sleep now. Right. And usually it was Bryant because he would go to bed a little bit earlier and I would stay up and do the dream feed. And so when that special connection time that we had was taking away, it was, it was challenging. Um, and we didn't have as much time to, you know, communicate about how we were feeling, um, or how we were operating and functioning. For me, I really struggled in the beginning with lack of sleep for sure. It was a huge thing. And I am not a happy healthy partner at all when I am running on little sleep. You know, I'm definitely something where I am more reactive, more snippy. I am higher, just, just higher, um, higher reactiveness, but higher stress all around. So not very pleasant for Bryant, like the littlest thing he would do would kind of set me off. And so that was something that I, you know, could, recognize about myself and I knew I was doing it. And I was like, I'm sorry. I know, I know I'm being snippy. I know I'm being very direct with you. And that's just kind of how things are right now. And that's something that I think he knew he, he's so gracious and kind with how he reacts to me and responds to me. And it was just something we had to figure out together. And, you know, we talked to you a lot about how, you know, the techniques of communication and how, you know, we both needed to have each other's need like personal needs met in order to have a functioning relationship. So we made sure that we both as much as we could had time where we could recharge by ourselves, whether it was working out or getting, you know, for me getting enough sleep, um, where we could come back together and be the best version of ourselves, despite the sleep deprivation and figuring out how to be new parents. So right now, you know, we're at a point where things are definitely easier. Like I'd say parenthood in and of itself, you know, it, it's overwhelming at first and people are like, oh, does it get easier? I think it really does. It, it changes and there's still challenges, but the kind of survival mode, you know, you do come out of, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And for us, I think it, it was after four months, like four or five, now we're at between six and seven months. Um, we get the opportunities for a date night. Um, we, we do have time to make sure we're getting our workouts in. We have time to watch our HBO show at the end of the night and reconnect in that regard. Um, so I, I'd say things in our relationship have definitely changed and it's not the two of us anymore, but we have this third special human that brings us so much happiness and joy and we're able to spend so much time with him and each other in the evenings. And it's, it's just opened up this other side of our relationship that I didn't even know, you know, was possible. Wow. That's so nice to hear. 
Um, I think so much of your success comes down to, I know you, when you were talking a little bit about being snippy with Bryant, you said also, I know I'm being direct with you, but like that directness uh, and your, your, both of your mutual ability to see something for what it is and move through it is what was really special to you guys. And another skill I think people could really take from this story. Um, And then just my take on listening to that with some space is I think Mm -hmm. some of the stuff we were working on early on, if I'm remembering correctly, was making sure that we were figuring out strategies to avoid resentment. Does that sound Mm -hmm. familiar? Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to fall into, you know, that trap, but the reality at the end of the day for us, you know, this isn't everyone's reality was we were, you know, we were both putting in a hundred percent, you know, as parents, you know, not even just parents, but in the house or at work. And when you're firing on all cylinders all the time, it's easy to feel like, okay, well, I'm doing all this stuff. You know, are you doing as much as me? And it's, it's a dangerous game you get into where you're, you know, just because you feel overwhelmed, you know, and you see your significant other taking time for themselves. You don't want to resent them for that because that, you know, at the end of the day, that's, what's going to make them come back and be a better husband and a better dad and stuff like that. And just being able, really, it's just all about communication and kindness. I think, and holding space for the other person to still be their own human and meet their own needs so they can meet your needs and meet the needs of your baby. So resentment is, you know, it's such, it's a scary thing because it is just a cycle um, that you can easily get trapped in if you're not really focused on the end of the day, you know, working together instead of working for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I think what happens to a lot of people and it's not intentional, but I think people are keeping score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. That's where it starts because you always got a scoreboard in your mind. Mm-hmm. And especially us type A people, you know, who like to be in control of everything um, and are functioning and firing on all cylinders constantly. It's really easy to think like that. Um, but it's it's really not a competition, you know, who can change the most diapers or who got the least or the most amount of sleep the night before. Um it's, it's just something you have to kind of realize that it's much easier to be fighting for each other than to be fighting against each other when things get tough. Uh, so you always have to remember that you are a team and the unit is going to function much better if, you know, you have respect and encourage your teammate. Yeah. So the last question I have for you um, is that I wonder if you either don't even have an awareness of it, or if you just don't care, you see it, you feel it, but you don't care. Do you feel any sort of societal expectations to be a certain way? Because you are not the typical mother. You're just, you're just not. Even if there are a million people out there who want a slice of the life that you have actually created for yourself, and maybe pe- some people are jealous of it. Maybe some people are actively trying to figure out how to do it and they're struggling to do so. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that there are people in your life that are like, oh, you spent three days away from your baby, <gasps> right? Like I would imagine there are people out there who feel that way. Do, are you aware of it? Do you not see it? Where are you at with all that? Um, you know, I think that especially given my 
history of anxiety, even the past couple of weeks, I've noticed that manifesting as mom guilt, right? Um, and that's something that you, again, you see online and there's TikTok videos about it, but you don't really know how that's going to manifest for you until you experience it. And I'm someone who grew up with a mom who did not work. And my dad being an airline pilot was gone a lot. And so she really was there for me 100% of the time. Um, no childcare, um, just home with me, playing with me, giving her all to me. And so I didn't really realize this, but I, you know, in my postpartum period, I, in the back of my head, kind of always relate myself back to my mom and I'm, I'm not doing as much as she did, you know, in my head. Right. Or, um, in my, as present as I was, as, you know, as she was right. And so I'm still navigating, um, the fact that I can be a great mom and a dedicated mom, a, uh, caring, loving mom, but not constantly be 24 seven with my child. Um, and it's, it's so hard because nowadays you hear, you know, there's so, so many more moms, I feel like who do work outside of the home. And I have this hybrid model working for myself where I have the ability to work from home. Um, I can work part-time. I can choose my own hours. I can work at a coffee shop. I can go meet my clients and come home. And so with my situation being so flexible at work, I think I was like, okay, this is, you know, I can figure out whatever I want it to be, but then what do I want it to be? And so I feel more pressure on myself to be like, should I choose to work less and be at home more with Jet? Um, should I work physically at home as much as I can versus out at a client's office um, if I can swing that. So I'm at least here present with him while he has, you know, his nanny. Because our childcare situation right now is we do have, so we live close to university here. So we have a babysitter who comes in um, in the mornings, usually about four times a week. Um, and she is here from, you know, when my husband goes off to work at 7.30 till about noon or 1 p.m. when I finish up, you know, my morning half day. And so I'm getting as much work as I can and scheduling all my meetings for the mornings. And then I get to spend the afternoon with Jet. I'm, so I'm constantly struggling right now with um, those afternoons. How much work should I be doing versus how much time should I be spending with him? Um, it, am I as present as I should be if I'm answering work email and he's playing in his extra saucer right next to me? Right. So that mom guilt has really set in and it's, it's just interesting because I, I think there's so much mom shaming as well. You know, the moms that have to go to work or work at an office and drop their kids off at, you know, daycare from seven to seven are just as excellent and valid moms as the moms who are at home um, with their kid 24 seven. And I, I was, I was reading this article last night because of course I Google everything. And I think I Googled mom guilt. So I wanted to read about it because <laughs> that's just the kind of person I am. I'll read about anything, but there is, I guess a new Netflix movie out um, produced by Maggie Gyllenhaal and the, the precipice of this article, it was a New York times article was, you know, what is the natural mother or the unnatural mother, or is there a such thing as a good mother or a bad mother? And really there is no all good or all bad. I mean, it's, you're, it's just, it's neutral. It's, um, it's 
a state of being, but there's, there's no, um, there's nothing that objectively makes you a bad mom or a good mom. We all have parts where we exceed and parts where we feel like we could be better, but that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now is, you know, how much of my, of myself, my old self, can I be true to, um, while I'm navigating this new part of myself, which is the part where I'm Jet's mom. Um, and how much of that is going to look like my mom where she was there for me 24 seven and how much is that going to look like my, um, what I know I need to do for my personality and my professional goals, um, and my goals for my relationship. So it's, it's definitely a struggle. And I think I try to portray, uh, you know, on social media and stuff, the dichotomy of figuring out what my work life is and excelling in a time where my business is growing. And then also figuring out how to be a working mom and a mom who is able to go and enjoy a girl's weekend or, you know, go get cocktails with their friends and, you know, be mentally healthy and happy by herself and with her baby. It's a challenge. It absolutely is a struggle. Um, I haven't figured it out. If anyone else has, (laughs) I'd love to hear the secret to feeling like you're adequate enough, (laughs) but (laughs) we're going to keep exploring this theme for sure. But I think the thing you brought up for me that I think is most poignant is that what happens to us is we hold ourselves to a standard in your case of your mother, but let's separate this from the mother daughter dynamic for a moment and talk about it as a generational thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're holding yourself to a standard of what is now a different generation and times are changing so rapidly that it doesn't even make sense to compare what we do as parents in 2022 to mm-hmm. what parents did in, I can't remember how old you are, but I'm going to assume the 80s or 90s. Early 90s. Early yeah. 90s. Um, I mean, it's just, it's vastly different. The early 90s when you were a baby is still pre-internet. So mm-hmm. the lives of people were so different. And um, I think about that, I think how, you know, my mom wasn't sitting there with her smartphone responding, you know, I'm a social media manager, as was mentioned, but responding to a DM from a client, right? Like I, I think about that. Um, And I don't know if that's good or bad or just is, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, and you're going to, it's going to be such an evolution. It's going to change so much between now and when your kid is a little bit older and engaging with all of the technology, it won't be long, but a lot's going to change in a short period of time. So I would be very interested in your opinions of parenting around technology as this becomes Um, more and more your reality because it is your daily existence and yet you need to put boundaries on it as well and I'm not the person who's going to sit here and say I know what they are I think they're really unique I I think it's figuring yeah figuring it out and it changes day to day and something I always or not always but recently have been asking myself is is it better for me to you know get as much as my work work done you know away from him and then I can be fully present later for him and maybe not, you know, maybe I'm away from the house for five hours, six hours, cranking as much as I can do. And then I am, you know, mentally and physically present with him fully versus, you know, I'm away from the house for two or three hours and then I'm home and I'm trying to juggle both at the same time. Yeah. You know, I, and I don't necessarily think one is good or one is bad, but the end of the day, you know, I know I'm, a very 
dedicated mom who wants to do her best. And I think that matters for something. And I'm, I can guarantee that myself and a million, you know, different moms out there are doing much better than they think they're doing. Um, because I think your harshest critic is absolutely yourself. And if you're even worrying about this in the first place, that, you know, that means that your heart is in it and you are a good mom at the end of the day. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, uh, when your mom guilt, uh, kicks in a little bit, I'm going to like replay you that little snippet and send it. I know I, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, I have to manifest it and say this out loud to myself or else it's easy to forget it. Yeah. Uh, but really that, that has been how my life planning long anxiety has manifested itself recently is in this mom guilt, figuring out my hybrid model of the working mom where I'm stay at home mom. Sometimes I'm, you know, social media manager, um, on the bar three workout studio exec team. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's figuring out what it looks like because it's not today's day and age. Most of us, especially post COVID aren't in the nine to five office situation you know, it's this weird working from home model or the, you know, the AB day model where you're going into the office sometimes and staying home sometimes. And I don't think anyone has a, a manual for what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> no. And our kids are going to tell us the kids growing up now, your kids are going to yeah. tell us what it was like to grow up in this new culture, because right. it is a new culture. Um, mm -hmm. And this is like, you know, when the fifties happened and nuclear families were the way they were all Donna Reed and stuff. Right. So that was one particular time of life. The latchkey kids of the eighties, which is what I was, was a whole different other time of life. And I think each individual looks back and finds beauty in the way they were raised or finds something negative about the way they were raised. And we can't know what that is. And mm -hmm. therefore we should stress less about it and trust yeah. that we are our best selves. And I see you out there being your best self. And I'm, I'm so grateful to you for sharing your story today because I, I do stand by you stand out to me as a unique client. You need to stay true to who you are and not try and fit into a, a mold of motherhood or a personality that you see portrayed anywhere. Or you think that you should be following um, because you're not going to be happy and you're going to lose yourself. Yeah. Um, in becoming a mom and you don't want to, you know, I hear stories of people waking up, you know, kind of five years later after putting, pouring all of themselves into the mold of the mom they think they should be and really losing who they are. So I, you know, I'm just trying to be the best self that I can be so I can be the best mom for him because I know when I'm fulfilled in my personal life and my work life and my relationships, I am a million times more present and um, a better mom, a happier mom to be around Jet. I'm so glad to hear you say that and that you know that and you knew it from day one. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I think I need to say it from day one. Mentally, I'm still getting there, but I think you, you know, you speak and you intend and manifest what you want to be true. And so, you know, that is my goal right now talking with you is I am manifesting all of this and speaking it aloud and that'll help me believe it internally. Well, I look forward to you playing this back for yourself and realizing that you have become exactly what you intended because so far you have really. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. I think it's, it's definitely, um, it's a journey. It changes day to day and that's okay. And that's what I'm working through. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your baby and your family and enjoy the, the calmer second half of your day.
Thank you. Happy Friday. Happy hour. Go have a, a nice <laughs> wine or something for me. Some mommy juice. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. It's me, Tanya, your host here at the Motherwit Podcast. You know I sometimes invite my clients on the show to talk about their birth stories and postpartum experiences, but I want to tell you a little bit more about what those clients and I actually do together. I started Motherwit to help people in the perinatal period achieve their health and wellness goals. That means whether you're hoping to conceive and struggling with high blood pressure or high blood sugar, or you're having trouble managing anxiety or depression in the postpartum period, or maybe you just need support and advocacy between prenatal or postpartum visits, I can help. Get a discount on your first consultation with me at motherwitmaternity.com using the code FIRSTCONSULT10% OFF. That's 10% symbol, all one word. I'm looking forward to working with you and maybe having you on the show too.